Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll tell a story of my adventures in playing polo, about how a special polo match brought out both the best and the worst in me. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Today, I'd like to talk to you about an experience I had many years ago when I actually used to play polo on a very kind of low-key basis. And I know that sounds funny, like how do you play polo on a low-key basis? But I figured out a way to do it. So this was many years ago, as I said, I was working at a normal job in an office and I took riding lessons maybe once or twice a week at group lessons, things like that. And I saw an ad for basically this was before Groupon, but it was the equivalent of kind of a Groupon ad that said, hey, you can take two polo lessons for a discount at this local polo school. And I think it was something like 50 or $75 total. And I thought, well, that sounds like fun. I'd love to be able to say that I took a polo lesson. This would be something kind of different and adventurous. So I showed up and I took this very basic polo lesson with some other people who probably also seen the same ad, thought it would be a fun thing to do on a weekend, and then a fun party story, something we could tell people we did. And I turned out that to, to really enjoy it. Basically, it was field polo, which means you play on a very large field. I think it's the equivalent of 10 football fields. And you, you hit a ball back and forth. It's a team four people on each team. And of course, when you're first taking lessons, you're going extremely slow, like at the walk or the trot, but you eventually work your way up to a gallop. And I was sort of a budget rider. I worked for a nonprofit. I did finance and administration, which is a highfalutin way of saying I was the office manager. And uh, so the salary wasn't great, but I had flexible hours. And I was starting to ride more and more on a regular basis. So two or three days a week, I would leave work a little early and I would ride after work, either taking lessons or trading barn work for more lessons. It was a way to kind of get more more education uh, at a lower cost. And so the polo people were really nice. They were fun and laid back, the people who taught the school. And I just started to get more and more involved. I started to be a working student for the polo school. I would clean tack and groom and I would get some free lessons. So slowly over time that developed and I ended up eventually acquiring a couple of polo ponies. Now, as you guys may or may not know, polo ponies aren't really ponies, they're small horses. And the two horses that I acquired were Argentine thoroughbred polo ponies. And that is a thoroughbred, that is bred specifically in Argentina for polo. They tend to be a little shorter and stockier than the kind of classic racing thoroughbreds we have in the United States. And they're very, what they call handy, which means they turn very lightly, kind of like a cutting horse. They're very easy to steer. And then they have a temperament that is comfortable with chasing a ball and kind of galloping out with multiple horses all around them. So I had acquired these two horses. Uh, One was named Pepe. She was a little mare. She was kind of a middle-aged mare when I got her and not a super expensive mare and very well-trained to play polo. She was not maybe the most 
a speedy horse, but she was very good at turning on the ball and she was very handy and she was dainty. She, she looked like a little deer. She was a liver chestnut, maybe about 15 one and just a really nice little horse. And the second horse was a more kind of fiery horse named Presidente, which is a classic Argentine name for a polo pony. And Presidente was very talented. I think at one time earlier in his career, he played high goal polo, which I did not play. I was playing very, very low goal, sub low goal polo. And uh, over the years, he'd kind of gotten, he would get very hot and excited when he played upper level polo. And he also was a little bit quirky and he didn't like some riders, other riders he did like. And I eventually acquired him. He was a little older as well. And uh, he did like women riders. And of course I was not a sophisticated player or particularly sophisticated rider. So I wasn't asking a lot of Presidente. I, I thought he was a sweet horse and I wanted to I wanted to learn how to play better, but it wasn't as though I was looking to be in, you know, the Olympic version of polo or anything. And I think he appreciated that. I think he liked that kind of slower pace. So I had these two polo ponies and the way that it works in polo, at least this little club that I was at, is people who maybe have more of a larger budget and who are more ambitious, have larger competition goals, they will have a full membership in a polo club, which gives them the right to play in the matches. I would guess something like a tennis club or a country club for golfing. You get a certain amount of privilege and uh, I guess opportunities to play and compete as well as practice. And then they also had what they called a practice membership. And that was what I had. <laughs> so practice membership meant that you would only practice. The people would get together all different levels and they would practice during the week, but you maybe wouldn't play matches so much. That was a little bit more expensive. And in polo, what is the norm for polo is that it's kind of a pro-am type sport, which means that even at the lower levels, when you're playing in tournaments or matches, you don't have all amateur players. You usually have, you might have two amateur players and two professional players. And part of the cost of polo, if you are a serious player, is to, in fact, hire and employ really good professionals. The reason that they use professionals so much in polo is that it takes quite a lot of skill to hit the ball far and hit it accurately. And most amateurs, uh, it takes them a long time to develop even the basics of that. So a good professional on your team will make sure that the ball gets moved and passed and it keeps the game kind of moving forward. Whereas if it was left to just the amateurs, particularly ones like me, who's a very, very minimal player, we would be kind of slowly, we used to call it a snake kill. Like we would all be kind of slithering around, walking around, trying to hit the ball and whacking at it and maybe making all of like two yards progress in a half hour. It would be pretty sad without a pro. So the thing that was fun about a practice membership is that it was very inexpensive compared to a full membership. And I would get to practice with all of the people who were playing at the upper, mid and lower levels. So it was really fun for me. And it was kind of, as I said, low pressure. So the way that polo also works is that uh, there are checkers, which are periods in the game. And in field polo, you know, there's a certain number of checkers versus arena polo. And I would play logo polo. And in logo polo, you would only do four checkers at a time. And one horse can play two checkers. You, you alternate, alternate them. So Presidente, I would play first 
chucker and third chucker and Pepe, I would play second chucker and fourth chucker. And that's kind of how we did it. So just to give you a little more background on the horses too, as I said, Pepe was kind of a middle-aged mare, very sweet, very sensitive, but not super ambitious about going fast. She was very good. If she was a, a golfer, she would be great at putting. That would be the thing that Pepe was really good at. She was very accurate coming to the ball under lower speed conditions. And Presidente was more flashy and flamboyant, and he would gallop up to the ball, but sometimes he would spook a little or get a little nervous right as you were trying to hit the ball. So, and again, these horses were very appropriate for my level. They were very safe horses, and they also were quirky enough that they had kind of washed out of upper level kind of competition, but they still had enough sort of ability that they could help me in my game. Now, let's get to me and Polo and how tremendously horrible I was at the basics of the sport. So I would get so excited when we were playing Polo, like practice Polo. When I would come up to the ball, I actually would have an opportunity to hit the ball. I would get so excited that I would kind of tense up and try super hard and I would always miss the ball. And when I say always, I mean 99.9% of the time, I would miss the ball. And when you miss the ball in polo, when you're a, kind of a basic player like I was, you basically swing that mallet and either you whiff it or you just totally don't even make contact with the ball. Or if you're particularly poor with aim as I was, you actually hit the ground in front of the ball, which gives this nice sort of horrible feeling in your wrist as you kind of feel that reverberation of your arm. I did that a lot. And so I became very good instead at what's called defensive play, where I would block or ride off a player who was much better on the other team and kind of keep him or her away from the ball so that someone on my team who could actually hit the ball could have an opportunity to get to the ball. But there was this one summer where I really was like, ah, I want to get better. I'm going to learn to hit. I mean, this isn't rocket science. Surely I can improve. And I spent a lot of time practicing on my own. We call it stick and ball, where you would take your, you know, your polo mallet on your horse, go riding, and you would take a couple balls out in the field and just practice on your own. Again, kind of like putting or going to the driving range if you're were a golfer. And I started to improve. I still would get really excited in practices, but I started to improve on my own. And uh, I was hitting the ball much more accurately if there were no other horses or riders around me, which is not the point of polo as a sport, but at least I was seeing improvement. So at the club, they had very basic tournaments that were more kind of for fun. For the people who were really serious, it was not a genuinely difficult competition. They might use those those little tournaments to get ready for a really big one that they were doing maybe in another state. But I was allowed to play in one of these and uh, they let everybody play and I, you get assigned to a team and you know, I was pretty excited about it. And on my team were a couple of players who were really, really good. And uh, I wanted to impress them. But I think also what I wanted was just to not be so lame, like to not be the person who would always run up and miss the ball. And, you know, I loved my horses. I was always very solicitous of them. I didn't want them to ever be stressed or whatever. And I also had, I guess, because of that, a reputation for being a little too tentative. 
where I would maybe be like, oh, I don't want Pepe to run too hard. She doesn't like to do that. Or Presidente is getting excited. Maybe we should come to the ball a little more slowly or, or kind of kind of hang back a little bit until he calms down. And and of course, I wasn't probably the bravest person in the world. Like I wasn't the one who wanted to gallop wildly into the fray and, you know, ride off everybody else and take the ball down the down the line, so to speak, in front of everyone. So that was kind of the scenario coming into this little match. And several things came together in a really interesting way during this little tournament. Uh, the first is that uh, from the very beginning, when I first started to play in the very first chucker, I was hitting well. And I could feel the shock of my teammates and the opposing team as well. They're like, what got into Lynn? Like, she's actually hitting the ball. What, what the heck is going on with Lynn? And so I started to be able to help significant plays. Now, I'm not going to tell you I was the star of the tournament or anything, but compared to my usual performance, I was, I was doing quite well, and I was actually able at times to provide some key passes, just like in basketball. You know, you have a key little short pass or in hockey, and you get it to the right player at the right time, and then they take it to goal. And I was involved in several of those. And, uh, and I started to get more and more into the uh, more intense action of the tournament. Again, this is not a high goal tournament. When I say intense, it was intense to me. But it was not like we were doing anything that the Olympic Committee was going to notice. But it felt like a big deal to me. And we, the play started to actually get a little faster. Uh, the pros on the other team started to push it a little bit more, which was kind of cool to see. And so things started to get a fair amount faster. And I was, like I said, dodging and weaving and passing. And I was getting in there and my horses were playing well. And my teammates started to really encourage me. They started to actually feed me the ball. They were, they were like, go Lynn or take this ball in and go Lynn. And I was just all over the field all the time. And uh, I remember at one point just looking at wherever the ball was going to be or about to be. And I just moved my horses there. I didn't think about it very much. I was just like, it's time to get to this ball. Or I'm going to go, I'm going to stop that player. I'm going to get over there right now, whatever it takes. And in polo, you often ride with spurs and a whip. I rarely would use my whip, but I used my whip uh, more than usual that day. And I didn't think anything of it. I got totally caught up in the excitement of the play. And, uh, Oh, the praise I was getting was just amazing from my teammates. It was, it was something very unusual that I hadn't experienced before. And I, I was having fun. I have to tell you, I was, I was, it was like a little fantasy for me. I was everywhere on the field. My horses were going where I wanted them to go. I wasn't even really thinking about my horses very much. I wasn't worried about Pepe maybe going too fast or Presidente getting too excited. I was just like, we have to get to that ball. I want to make that goal. I want to help my teammate make that goal. And we finally get into the last chucker and the match is very close. And I just had this determination, like I was going to get to that ball, like I said, just like in the previous chuckers, only this time I really felt, hey, it's the last chucker, this is the last chance to win. And our team did win, not because I did the final goal or anything super exciting Disney movie like that, but everybody on the team was excited and playing well. And the opposing team was a very good team. And, and it was considered to be, again, for a little local fun tournament, a good tournament game. So we all come off the field and uh, I, I, the horse that I was riding last, I, I 
tied her up and off we went to go celebrate a little bit. People were like, oh, then come over to the trailer here, have some Gatorade or whatever. And people were kind of slapping me on the back. And then I was like, well, I need to go back and take care of my horses. So I went back and in polo, what you do is you usually you tie your horses to the trailer. Everybody has their trailers parked alongside the polo field. And so they were Pepe and Presidente tied to my trailer. And, uh, and I went up to them and I realized that they were totally exhausted. They were standing tied to the trailer with their heads down, sides heaving, both of them, even though Presidente had only ridden in the last, in the third chucker, not the last one, he was still panting from the third chucker. And of course, Pepe was just, I mean, she, she didn't even seem like herself. And when I came up to them, I felt so ashamed because all during that tournament, while I was getting praised so much and getting excited and, and playing well, playing well for me, I hadn't really thought about my horses. It was as if they were machines underneath me. And all I could think about was getting to the ball. And we got to the ball or we got to the player on the opposing team and blocked that player. We got that job done. But it, I didn't really think about or notice what was going on with my horses until it was all over with. And there they were, exhausted exhausted to the point where their personality wasn't even apparent anymore. They were just two exhausted horses. I had never done that with any horse before. And as I said, I just felt this huge sense of shame. And I immediately, you know, bathed them and walked them. And I had a friend help me kind of cool them out. And uh, my teammates and some of the other people in the club were like, Lynn, hey, come on, we're going to go. We're going to have beer over at so-and-so's trailer. And, you know, your horses are fine. You can just leave them tied to the trailer for a while. You know, they're, they're, they're going to cool out just fine. And I was just not having any of it anymore. And uh, so I never forgot that. The horses were fine. We, we did spend a lot of time cooling them out. And they forgave me, which is sort of the nature of horses. But I never played a match like that again with that kind of intensity. And for me, it really seemed as though I had traded the much more important goal of being a good horseman, of taking good care of my horses, of enjoying the sport and letting them enjoy the sport for the truly superficial outcome of winning a match that was a tiny match, again, not like it was the Olympics, and winning the good opinion of teammates who really didn't have the same standard I did for horsemanship. They weren't bad people, but to them, that would be a minor thing that your horse was extra tired or that you, you rode them to the point where their personalities completely submerged. They just wouldn't have seen that quite the same way. And I think competitions are a great thing. I think that horse showing can be really fun. It can be great for horses. It can be great for people, but I think you have to keep that balance. And I know several people who are really nice people. I mean, truly kind people, people with integrity, who have injured horses multiple times in competition. It just seems to keep happening over and over. And it's not, again, because they're cruel or they're intentionally trying to harm the animal. It's more because that fire of the competition kind of gets ignited in them. And I know that they are doing what I did that one day which is the horses aren't as important as making the goal or jumping the high jump or doing the extreme cowboy race or whatever it is. And uh, all I know is that for me, I just wouldn't want to ever injure a horse 
or even get a horse close to injury as I did that day on the polo field for something as minor as a competition. So I hope you've enjoyed this little anecdote about my brief experiences as a star of a polo match many years ago and how it ended up being both the best day of my polo career and the day I was the most ashamed of. And thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.